Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And my special guest today is Bishop Jorge Rodriguez, Bishop of the Archdiocese of Denver. And so, Bishop, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us a little bit today. And uh, I know you have a busy schedule. I saw you last night at uh, Confirmation Mass, and I know there's you have a few of those on your schedule, I'm guessing. Yeah, there are many of those. But thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. It's always a great occasion to have the opportunity, you know, to voice the, the message of life yeah. and to voice the message of Jesus. <clears throat> so I thought we'd start off with, uh, Bishop, just a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, what was your calling to the priesthood? How long have you been a priest? And then we'll get into the the calling to a bishop a little bit later. Okay, well... Well, I come from a very traditional Catholic family, born in Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula. A Catholic family, let's say, in, in Mexican terms means you go to Mass every Sunday with your family. You receive all the sacraments. Everyone receives the sacraments at the right time you have to receive them. But I don't recall any particular engagement in uh, groups, uh, youth group or anything else in the parish, just going to Mass and trying to contribute. Sure. That's the way it is. But anyway, my family was was Catholic, traditionally Catholic. So my dad um, gave all of us a Catholic education. All of us, we went to private Catholic schools. Is that common where you were from or is that unusual? Well, it's, uh, it's common if you have the means to go to yeah, Catholic yeah, schools. Yeah, that's what I meant. It's yeah. very different than it is here. So um, so my, my early years at school, I went with the American sisters, the sisters, uh, American no sisters, and that's why I get kind of acquainted with English. Sure. Many things were in English, and the, the, the American culture was very present. And then I moved to the Marist Brothers the, with all, no, all boys' school. And, uh, and in Catholic schools, you know, you are exposed to, to the Catholic Church. Even I have to say, the years I studied uh, in the Catholic schools, because of the government, anything religious could be at a school. So you could have a crucifix or have a statue of Mary or uh, have anything religious like praying. Hmm. Nevertheless, um, the sisters and the Mary's brothers did of course, I remember in, in the grade school when we received communion, they have to cover all the windows with blackboards because they never knew when the specter of the government will no, show up. Is that still common today in Mexico? No, in 1992, um, the Mexican government regained relationship with the Vatican. Okay. You know, during the persecution in Mexico, the, the war, the Cristero War, they broke relationships. and. We didn't have no any contact with the Vatican, so uh, in Mexico, what they call the separation of state and church is radical. Is radical. Anyway, the the, the the brothers risking, they gave us a communion service every day. So we were exposed to this Catholic culture, and Catholic culture is in the in the bonds of the Mexican society. Um, in the last year of my high school, um, met the priest that came, a recruiter, occasional recruiter, went to the, the classroom and say, well, you're know, looking for a priest. Um, at that time, I was very much into the social things in the sense that taking care of the poor, organizing things, the marriage were very broad, were very good at it. 
And uh, so I have this kind of restlessness in my heart to help the poor, do something for the poor. And the priest, uh, when he presented his message about considering the priesthood, he used that that card, and so I got interested. And right. I have to say that you know, when you ask someone, often they ask you, "How do you how do you know that the Lord is calling you?" And uh, some people sometimes are expecting something spectacular, lightning you know, that, bolts uh, or something. Yeah, something that's spectacular. No, it's something that is is built. I don't know, day by day, piece by piece. For example, I recall being a boy, probably seven year old. I, I used to go to help ma- to, to serve mass as an altar boy uh, at 7 a.m. Mass, I mean, very early in the morning, and I went by myself. The church was five blocks away from my house, going every morning, going something that I don't know how I pick it or not, and I like it. Then, you know, typical things that you do when you're a boy, you're a little one, you, you play <laughs> to celebrate mass, and my sisters were the parishioners and this kind of games. I think it's important to... to, to, to to look into kids when they show this kind of signs if there is something that is is there. So, but the, the last year of my high school with this priest, he invited me to go a retreat, and that's the way everything started. That that last year is when you um, plan for university. Mexico is we don't have college. You go right to to, to the career. Oh, okay. You know? um, so it was a big decision. I met him in February. I think it was. 2000, I mean, 1974, probably. And uh, I met him, I went to a retreat, and in a couple of months, I was already taking a flight to Spain. I joined a religious congregation. And it was very shocking. I don't know how I dared to do it. I, I never, <laughs> my family lives, all of them together, all of them in Mexico, no one is gone. I was the first one and the only one. Okay. that has left family, and I went to Spain. In Spain, I was sent to Salamanca, where I studied, um, well, the novitiate. I did my novitiate. And then I studied Greek and Latin and humanities, classics. No, that's, that's what we do there for uh, two years. After that, I, went to, I was sent to Rome to continue my, my studies. And in Rome, I, I lived for 23 years because... After completing all my studies that were very, very long, I got a PhD. And then I continued teaching and working in academics. That was my life for, for my whole life in Rome was academics. Well, and you taught here at the seminary too, right? I did. So yeah. when I came here, I came because of the academics again. No? Um, anyway, in between uh, this academic period in my life, I was sent four years to work in missions and I just love it. I think working in a poor area with uh, poor people where there is nothing, uh, in the jungle sometimes, sleeping on the road, uh, it's like an adventure. But it's, once you are there, it becomes part of your life. It's something so beautiful when you see that people that have no means, have no, no, they don't have a priest. I mean, we used to go every two, three weeks every month just to see the communities, you know. Remember one community, it was three years that we haven't visited that community. And uh, and it's, it's sad to see the need that they have of priests. And, but it was, for me, was a very, very decisive period of time in my life to understand the wonderful things that the Lord does and the wonderful thing that is to be a priest. 
when I came back to Rome, and I continued academics, so finished my uh, PhD, and then I became the Prefect of Studies, the Dean of Theology of the uh, Regina Apostolorum Pontifical Institute, where I was there. As I, I was ordained a priest in 1987, so this year I made 30, 30 years. In Congratulations. Thank you very much. That time just flies, no, because um, how you get there, I don't know. But I mean, I was ordained in 1987 by Cardinal Hamer in the city of Rome. I still was a religious. So when, when somebody asks about how do you know about it, it's just take one day at a time and, and go forward, and you need a lot of trust. Don't look in too much into yourself because when we look into ourselves, we can get very discouraged, but looking into what God is doing and what's God's plan, and it's all about him and about his people, and that gives you the, the strength to, to go ahead. No? Yeah. So this is Respect Life Radio. We're talking to Bishop Jorge Rodriguez with the Archdiocese of Denver, and he's talking about his, uh, not only his vocation story, but his years as a priest leading up to coming to Denver. Yeah. So... Uh, once I was ordained, 1987, as I said, well, I continued teaching and I continued in Rome until 1999. In 1999, we heard about um, a new seminary that was going to be open so with that in, in mind, we call him, and I mean, I call him plural, I mean, I speak in plural because we were three of us, three priests. Call him and Archbishop uh, Chapu say, yeah, come here right away. So 1999, I came here, and I, right away, because the seminary just opened, I started um, teaching theology with mm -hmm. the first no, generation of seminarians right. that we have in St. John Vianney Seminary was another exciting time because um, when I, I, well, I was speaking in Italian for so many years and now moved to English was not that easy for me. Even though I, I studied English when I was a, a little boy, and, but I mean, to, to, to teach you use it at all the time. Thing, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. You know? I could do it in Italian, but not in English. And um, it was a very exciting time here uh, at the time. It was precisely, you know, when I came here that now Archbishop Aquila, that was the one who was putting together the new seminary with Monsignor Glenn, is the one that I met, and the one through him, I came to whom I came here to the archdiocese. Then he became a bishop. But I mean, it was my first contact that I yeah. had with the with the diocese was Archbishop Aquila. Uh, after a couple of years here teaching. I was asked to to to, to be the uh, vice rector of the seminary. Mm -hmm. So for a couple of times, I was I mean for a couple of years, I was the vice rector of the seminary. Again, academic programs, bylaws, statutes, students' handbook. That was my life. And at the same time, I was a seminary formator. So I have seminarians under my care and teaching theology that I never not stopped teaching theology. Then, after a couple of years, I asked Archbishop Aquila that I would like to be in a parish. I mean, I'm forming priests, and I haven't been in a parish as a pastor. 
that's that's not fair. So right. uh, I was assigned to be at Holy Cross Parish in Tartan, Colorado, for three years. I, three years until I received the letter, you no, know, saying that the Holy Father appointed me to be a bishop. So what is that like? Do you do you know he's considering you to be a bishop? Is it a total surprise? I mean, did you have any idea that that could happen? Uh, at all. Not at all. I mean, I, I, I never thought that was going to happen in my life. I know it happens in, in many lives. Right. People but I mean, do you chosen. know you're being considered at that point? Or you just get the letter and you're like, wow. No, you get the letter. You don't even know. Okay. No, you don't even know. Um... Because as you know, when they appoint a bishop, there is a large consultation about people, your friends, but they are under secreto pontificio. That means they are no bound by secrecy. So they, they can't say, "Hey, oh, by the way, we got contact." They cannot and, tell you okay. anything. And so evidently, yours were very tight-lipped. So everybody knows, but you. you. Okay. Yeah. So I remember that uh, I went on vacations with two of my my friend priests, and I just came back, and I. Just curiosity, but that vacation, I'm going to have my beard back, no, because I always had one. Well, so I I left it, so when I came back, I had my beard. And probably the day after coming back, no, I received a phone call uh, from the Apostolic Nunchatur. Um, and a guy who I think it was n- not not American because of the accent told me, you know, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, uh, wants you to be the auxiliary bishop of Denver. So the first thing I thought, they're pulling my leg. <laughs> this is one of my friends that has asked someone to call me, and no, and and so yeah, it's like kind of a joking with him. So yeah, sure, no, tomorrow, no. <laughs> but then I realized that he was getting serious. No, 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 I'm I'm telling you that the Holy Father has uh, appointed you to be the auxiliary bishop of Denver. And that moment, I just. Felt my whole, my whole world, no, rolling down and saying, "What is this about?" So, who is your first phone call after you get that news? Is it your parents or no, no? Because you can't, you can't tell anyone. Oh, after that phone call, all right. So you can't tell. So when you could tell, who's the first person you talk to to tell? Let's say the first person I talked to about was Archbishop Aquila. Okay, because after I accepted. They let him know, so he knew, and then we have to come up with a date in which will be announced. Okay, that's why we had to talk about it. Right, but this is what makes things difficult because when you receive the call and you realize this is really happening in your life, now you feel well. I don't want it because I don't want to change my life in this moment. I, I'm a happy pastor. I don't need anything else. It changes your life a lot. No. And that so was going to be my next question. How has your life changed oh, yeah, from changed your life a lot. the minute you got the phone call to where you are today? Yeah, well, especially because you become kind of a very lonely. No, for example, for, yeah. example, for me, the the most we say um, the most the hardest thing is that I don't have a community anymore. I used to have a parish, my community. I used to live Christmas mm. and Easter and Lent with them and being wolf. Now I don't. So in these yeah. big times. Sometimes it's hard for me to find a place to celebrate, no? And to and even if they invite me to go to a parish, I go to many parishes for confirmation, all the kind of ceremonies, but it's not my community. I don't know them. Yeah. There is no, no? And this is something that, at the end, you find yourself living alone. 
Also, your relationship with your brother priest, and I had lots of friends, and I still have lots of friends, changes. Because now you become, no, for them, you're their superior. No? Right. And, and you're the vicar of clergy too, right? Besides. Yeah. yeah. That makes things <laughs> As if harder. you have nothing else going on. Nothing else, yeah. So that's why I, every time I, I see a priest, the first thing I tell him, no, remember, no, everything you can you say can be used against you, no? You're Miranda laws, you need to know. It's almost no? like you're an attorney. Yeah. And uh, so the thing is that uh, I didn't believe it, and I thought it was, I couldn't believe it was happening in my life. So uh, my first reaction, I have to say, I, I got mad. A little bit that God say, no, you don't want this for me. Just let me go. So my, I told the, the, the I think it was the secretary, the nuncia, who called me and said, you know what? No, I don't. I don't want to. So he said, well, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, will get very disappointed. You must be aware that to arrive to this point, there's a long process, and you're going to send everything back to, no? And I said, well, Kind of got a guilt trip. Yeah, I was. It was working on me. <laughs> So at the end, I told him, you know, I, I don't think I can give you an answer now. Will you please give me time to think about it? So I said, okay, I'll call you tomorrow. So I found myself... <laughs> Not quite the amount of time you were thinking. No, 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 yeah. And then no way to talk to anyone. I need to hear someone. someone. That's, that's the way it really happened. And uh, at the end, you know, I cry. I go mad. I told Jesus what you're doing. Think about it. But then I went to my holy hour in the morning after sleeping. I couldn't sleep very well. And I felt a lot of peace about, well, if this is what the Lord wants, no, here I am. What so, better place to go when you're struggling with a decision? Yeah, no, that the only, you can only talk to Jesus. That's the only one that you're allowed and he's to not, talk and, to. And he'll, and he'll let you know. He'll let you know, and he did. So I said, okay, I'm here. So now you've been a bishop for a couple of years? How long? Oh, three years. Three years now. So what are some of your uh, concerns or things you f- have focused on within the archdiocese? Well, because of the mission I was assigned by the mm-hmm. archbishop to be the vicar for clergy, I realized in my personal life, no, and I can see that what priests really need no, is, uh, is holiness. A priest really need is holiness. So my, my concern now is to, for example, let me tell you, we are in, we are putting we put in program in, in place the program for spiritual motherhood. No ladies who pray for priests. Oh, nice! Now we're going to introduce or we're going to introduce the celebration because it existed before of the World Day of Sanctification for priests to ask on the day of the Second Heart of Jesus all the communities to pray for their pastors so their pastors are holy. That's, that's the thing. And then I'm trying not to as much as I can to to share the message about the need of holiness. You know, we are very blessed. I think our priests are not perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, but they're good men, good men. They're really committed, hard workers. It's not an easy life, and people need to understand that. Not an easy life. But with their prayers and the prayers of the priests, no, praying, right. I think God can perform miracles in his church today. Yeah, and he does. And I think I think that's one of the things sometimes people forget is that's a tough calling. I mean, you're giving everything. Yeah. Middle of the night, I mean, there's really you know short of going on vacation and getting a little bit of a break, you're always on call and you're the spiritual father for depending on how many, you know, it could be thousands depending on the size of your parish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and we are just men. 
So, right. No? Um, but things got, you know, people are so good to us, and uh, God is great, we have to say. Yeah, Yeah. well, and it's a good thing, because we need, we need that. And I think you're talking about holy priests. Uh, you know, how do we grow in our relationship with Christ so that we can become that holy priest or holy lay person or whoever we are? Yeah. And we can't without him, can we? No, and you know, in my, my, my personal experience, because that comes from my personal when I arrived to Holy Cross as a priest, well, you arrive as a priest, kind of a administrator mentality. I need to manage, you not know, this parish. But I found uh, a group of people very, very committed to the Lord. I mean, in, in fire with Jesus and the mission, and I had no other option than to join and to join them, no, to jump and join them. And uh, I, my, my lay people in the parish, I owe them a lot in my personal sure. journey to Christ. Well, I think that's a good reminder, you know, how important the laity are, not only to help evangelize, but to help support the priest. Right? You yeah. can't do your you can't do what you're called to do at a parish without the laity stepping up and, and filling some of those voids. We are a family. We are a family. So it's interesting to hear how all that works and, and the struggle. So how are we doing in our seminary now here at St. John Vianney and Redemptus Mater? Have you been able to keep track of that at all? or Not very much since I left the seminary, but I see that they have now a new administration. There is a new rector and the seminary. And you know him, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the priests that came with me. Yeah, when okay. We came from, oh, I didn't realize when that. When we came from Rome. Okay. Um, you know, the Holy See um, um, promulgated last year a new ratio about how to form the priest. And now all the seminaries, they need to adapt to the new ratio. And in the new ratio, the Pope is emphasizing two things in the priestly formation. One is the, the need of a deeper spiritual life in seminary formation. I mean, the prayer, the time to pray, kind of us lose the schedule that you can be with the Lord no? is very uh, intense. And the other one is the pastoral side. To form people, to form priests that are for the people, that the most important thing we have in the church, besides Jesus, the Blessed Eucharist, is the people we serve. So if we if we get to form these kind of hearts that are very much um, rooted in their love for Jesus Christ and willing to serve, I think we can have, or we will have, great priests. And the seminary is moving in this direction. Sure. So maybe a question I have for you, and we have just about three, four minutes to go, is how can parents, if they're listening to this, how can they help support and encourage their young men and women to be open to the call of the Lord to serve as priests or religious? How can they support this great calling? Because I know some that aren't. I have a daughter who's a Dominican, and when she went in, there were families that were offering to buy their daughter's cars not to come in. At the first profession, there was one pew empty because a family refused to come. So what can families do to help foster more vocations? When I was, when I told my friend in high school, you know what, I think I'm going to, to the seminary, his mom gave me the full collection, the whole collection of the books of Eric Fromm, the psychologist. 
so for me to read right in order to don't persuade me not to right, go right so that happens and I remember in those months that for me was I was so confused I was I didn't know what I wanted to do there was a, an old religious sister that once told me you know this is something you have to keep between you Jesus and your spiritual director because when people are not ready for it they will try to discourage you when the time will be mature then you will let because otherwise they start pulling your leg and they're joking about it. So I didn't tell my friends, I didn't tell anyone until the last, the last day. And something that I remember is uh, when the priest came to my family to talk to my dad and my mom, just to let him know that I want to go uh, to join them, for, for that was the first time they heard, what? So <laughs> was, uh, I guess it was a, quite the shock. Yeah, but my dad, who used to be a very, uh, say, not very, no, speaking guy. Um, it's okay, it is what he wants. So he allowed me to go and I left. And my mom told me many years later, no, that that day my father went and uh, he knelt before the crucifix and he cried. Uh, yeah. That had to touch you. you yeah, that. That, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's what we need to do, right? Go to the Lord, whether we're a parent or someone being called. And to, encourage, be, to be open. And encourage your son. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, we don't hear that enough, do we? For no, people we don't. to be open to that. We call. only hear bad things about priests. Right. So. And that's what the media, that's what the entertainment industry, you know, anything yeah. to bash religion, they're good at that. But in terms of promotion, although the, I don't know if you've seen the new movie, The Apostle Paul, that has been out, yeah. was a very good movie. Um, in terms of the witness and what it takes to be a Christian, uh, not easy. I, when say, when, I think it was from Baltasar in one of his books. He, he, he says, don't dare to criticize a priest no? if you have not talked to your son about what a beautiful thing to be a priest is. And I think that's what we have to, to bring back to the attention of the young men and young women, that the most amazing, wonderful thing you can do with your life is to give your life totally to Christ. That is what is it about. Yeah. Religious life, priesthood, but this is what is it about. He's the perfect spouse. I mean, if you want your child to have the perfect spouse, yeah, that's you, you're not getting better than that, so you need to be open right. to that. Well, I thank you, Bishop, for taking your time today. Uh, it's been great talking to you on Respect Life Radio. We've been talking to Bishop Jorge Rodriguez of the Archdiocese of Denver, and it's been great to hear your story from being called to the priesthood, to being a bishop, and what that's been like. So thank you for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Thank All you right. for having me. God here. bless. Take care. Bye-bye.